Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to apply to be a guest on the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Be Our Guest to Apply. All right, so today I have Nicole Lamoureux on the line, and she is president and CEO of National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics, also known as NAFC. Nicole, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, Nicole, I'm excited to have you here. I mean, hot topic, uh, the future of healthcare and, and really health equity. A lot going on, obviously, since the pandemic and otherwise. And I know a lot of great work that, um, that your organization was doing prior as well. So we'll get into that. But before we do, uh, we'll start this episode the way that we start them all with our Mission Matters Minute. So, Nicole, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. That's our mission. Nicole, what mission matters to you? The mission that matters to me is that the National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics works to ensure that the medically underserved have access to quality health care. And that's what matters to me. Awesome. Love bringing mission-based individuals on the line to share why they do what they do and how they're doing it and what we can all learn and gain from that um, to also help in our missions along the way. So awesome having you on. Um, I guess just to get this kicked off, um, like how did you get started in business and working with organizations in general? Like, like what led you to the NAFC? Sure. Well, it's a fun story. When I was growing up in New London, Connecticut, in second grade, they asked what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I drew a picture of myself holding a flag in front of the White House. Mm. And I guess I thought I was going to be the president of the United States. I always knew I wanted to move from Connecticut to Washington, D.C. I had an interest from a young child into politics. And my dad always said to find something you're good at and find someone to pay you for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really only good at talking. That's all I'm very good at. So I graduated from a Catholic university and I started in the association world. So I've worked for the National Association of Home Builders. And then I worked for uh, the American Horse Council. I love to say that I can't build a house and horses don't like me. And one day I woke up and I, I just felt that I needed to do something more in this world. I've always been brought up that my role is to make this world a little bit better than how I found it. And at the same time, while that was happening, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was 33 years old and I had to clear out my 401k to actually get the healthcare I needed. And I was wondering, what do people who don't have in health insurance do? I had yeah. health insurance at the time, great health insurance. And at that time, I started finding free and charitable clinics across the United States of America. And um, we coalesced together to build an organization. We started with 75 members, and now we're at 1,400 organizations across the United States of America. So it's really been a passion project for me. We'll go further into NAFC, but I want to stick a little bit further in, in your past for a little longer. Sure. So what I've noticed is obviously we all have different experiences, different careers, different things that we do. You mentioned a, a couple of them that you've been through and then which ultimately led you to NAFC. But sticking to that kind of point in time in your life where maybe you're transitioning from either one career or one opportunity to another. Um, I ask this because, you know, as we as we're recording this in 2022, um, a lot of people that 
that have either been displaced or are changing careers or looking for new opportunities. And, you know, it, it's not always the easiest thing, you know, regardless of age or tenure or anything like that. Just in general, change can be a little bit different, a little bit tricky, especially going from one industry to another. Like, what is your advice to those that are in the middle of, let's just say, pivoting or just going through from one experience to another like that? Like, because because I feel like there's a lot of people out there like that right now. Absolutely. I think that pivot, we always say it in the free clinic world, we're always like, we never want to hear that word pivot again, but it's perfect for where we are. I think as I was moving from the home builders, which was a place where I thought I was going to have my whole career, I had worked up to three or four positions there and then realized I I wanted another opportunity. What I did from those two stable markets, because that's where we were at that point in time, was I really made a list of things that I was interested in, not just my passion, but what skills did I want to grow? in myself. And I found that I I really wanted to learn how to organize an organization. So for Mm -hmm. me, I realized after writing down my pros and cons and all of the things I needed to do, I found that one word organization was my word. So then when I transferred from the horse council to the to the free clinics, I think that what really drove me then as I grew and I became older was how was I going to make a difference? So I think as you're making this transition always understand, and I would say understand your finances, because 49-year-old Nicole is very different than 33-year-old Nicole, who didn't think to look at finances of an organization at that point in time. Know your finances, know what you need, but also really take that time to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And and if you don't know who you are, what do you want to know about yourself? Mm -hmm. I think that it's really easy to say, go to college, get that great degree, you know, make sure you stay exactly what you study. I would say find something that you love. Now, I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to tell you that even if you find your passion, it's going to be joy every single day. That's not work. Work is hard work. But if you can find something that speaks to you or speaks to a community that you're related to, try to find those those inroads. Go to the library. I spent a lot of time at the library reading books. Now, Now there's the computer. So you can find different things, take different tests, interview different people. It'd be odd. People call me on the phone to pick my brain and I love to talk to you. So if someone on this call after they hear this from me and they want to learn more about associations, call me. I'll take your call and talk to you for a little while. That's great. It's great. And as you're saying this, and I'm thinking about myself too, and just thinking about like, so I, I thought, you know, my last career, I thought I'm going to be a financial advisor forever. If you would have ever thought I'd be changing or building a company or even being an entrepreneur, none of that was on my, was on my roadmap or my quote unquote plans, right? We all think we right. have plans. And, and the only thing I'll, I'll add to what you said is sometimes we, we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves thinking that we have to have everything figured out. I don't care if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever, like we're all figuring certain things out and there's going to be external factors that happen, uh, you know, systemic things that happen that we don't have control over and like maybe take a little bit of pressure off yourself, like give yourself a little bit of a break there and just understand that we're all trying to get this through this together. Absolutely. Give yourself that grace to to understand that, you know, I didn't know how to, I really, even though I, I run in a nonprofit association, it truly was building up from the ground up. There was no structure. There was anything. I didn't know those things. And I just had to finally say, but you can learn them. Yeah. And I think you, uh, and trust yourself. I think people should learn how to trust themselves on top of giving grace to themselves. Deep down, you know what, what you can do and what you're capable of. 
Fantastic. So switching topics here, let, let's go further into today's topic. So the future of uh, healthcare and health equity, maybe let's just paint the picture of what this looks like overall, because I don't want to assume that everybody watching kind of knows what's going on in healthcare. Like many people, I mean, when I, you know, I graduated college, I had a job, you know, I had healthcare. Healthcare to me was basically, you know, as a, as a young man, no, no family, no kids was basically checking a box to see what plan I wanted, right? Like that right. was it. I, I'm not, I've never really been sick. So I feel like a lot of times if somebody's not really been sick or had a big issue come up in their life for whatever reason, like they're not even aware of these issues. You hear it in the news, you see the buzz lines, you see the titles, but um, even even yourself, I could be wrong on this, but maybe until you had that big scare, like maybe you didn't know quite how that all worked. Can you maybe just start by giving us a little bit of view of the whole overall like healthcare landscape from the equity standpoint and what what people should know? Sure. Well, it's so funny you say that about uh, even myself. I will tell you my first job out of college, I called my mom and dad to help me figure out my health insurance. Uh, so no, I didn't know. And now I'm helping my mom and dad sign up for, for Medicare. And so you come full <laughs> the circle. circle of life. Come exactly. On. But I think that the first thing that we really need to talk about is there's this misconception that after the Affordable Care Act was passed, that mm. everyone has access to health insurance now mm. and nothing could be farther from the truth. Uh, mm. The Affordable Care Act was a first step in getting some people access to health care, but not for everyone. And it was never intended to be that. So if you fast forward now from 2010 to now where we are, um, there's so many different things that have happened in healthcare. So if we're looking at the health healthcare equity landscape, first off, not everyone has an employer that offers them healthcare. Not everyone who has an employer who offers them 100% coverage of their healthcare. Not all healthcare plans on the marketplace are affordable for every single person as they come forward. Not everyone even if they have health care, they may not have access to mental health care or dental care and then prescription access. Yeah. So when you look at all of these different pieces and pies, you recognize that healthcare is, I like to look liken it to a big ball of yarn and mm. you have to keep untwirling it and finding the knots. So you may think you're covered and then all of a sudden, what's a deductible? I don't even yeah. understand what that means or what do I have to reach to hit my my prescription numbers. And so I think when it comes to healthcare, first off, making insurance more understandable for more people is the first thing that we have to do. So we talk a lot about at the National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics, health literacy, that especially for COVID, I know everyone else can relate to this. When the CDC started giving up the information, even I didn't understand some of the words that were coming out of the CDC. Yeah. I'm and glad so that we, wasn't only me. Yeah. No. And so what we we would do at our job is we talk about writing things at a fourth grade reading level. Mm. So everyone can understand what's being said and how we can move forward. So we encourage the insurance markets to do the same. And then we recognize that coverage for men and women isn't always the same. And then obviously the people who are willing to go to the doctors, you men don't like to go as much as women do. You like yeah. to stay home a little bit differently. And then yeah. obviously we cannot acknowledge that black indigenous and other people of color have different experiences when it comes to healthcare than white counterparts. And as we look at health equity and we look at the future of healthcare in our country, not only do we need to make it more affordable, more accessible, we need to make it more equitable. 
as well. That's great. And I think this idea that it was, I'm, I'm glad first off that you kind of busted that myth after the act was passed that everybody had it and that kind of the, the problem was solved, like not the case. Like I'm glad to have an expert like that, uh, like you on the line to, to kind of go through that. But before, before we go further in the topic, I'd like to pause for a moment and maybe, I know you told us a little bit, but I do want to go further. So tell us more about the um, NAFC. So tell us a little bit more about the organization and its mission. Sure. The National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics is an organization of 1,400 free and charitable clinics and charitable pharmacies across the United States of America. And we have a volunteer and staff workforce of over 200,000 individuals Amazing. who help us provide access to free and low cost health care to uh, 2 million patients annually. Mm. And that is done also with about 7.6 million patient visits as we're looking at that. So um, also, I think the one thing that people get stuck on is we do all of this with um, no federal support at the national organization. Oh, wow. So no taxpayer dollars come to the national organization at all. And then for our clinics on the ground, very little to no state or federal money go to those clinics. Mm. We are um, funded through private public partnerships. We are funded through donations, foundations, grants, and mm. then wonderful individuals that if they can't give back their time, they they donate to our cause. Mm -hmm. And for every, every dollar that is spent at one of our free and charitable clinics or donated mm -hmm. to us, there's $5 in services given back to the community. Wow. And that's at a minimum. In different states, the numbers are as high as $36 of the care that's given back to people. And this is all done because people want to help and they want to give back to their neighbor. Going back to what you said in the beginning is that healthcare is the thing that we all take for granted. Mm -hmm. We all, if you're have, if you're healthy and you're jumping up and you're going to work, you may have those days where you worked out a little bit too much or something mm -hmm. hurt. But if you're like me and you break two ankles in one year and right. then you break your wrist, all of a sudden healthcare becomes a priority mm -hmm. for what you do. If someone in your family gets sick, it becomes a priority. Everything starts I'm mm -hmm. um, revolving around how are we going to help this person get better? For mm -hmm. many people, it's how are we going to afford? Do we make that choice between putting food on the table mm -hmm. or getting the health care that we need? And I'm thrilled to work with 200,000 individuals that are saying we want to make our neighborhoods and our communities healthier as we work towards a more equitable country. Wow. Uh, first off, I mean, congrats and to not only to yourself, but to all those amazing volunteers and all the individuals that are that that are pulling this off, because those numbers are those numbers are huge. You're helping millions of patients a year. And uh, the amount of volunteers, the amount of you know capital, obviously, that it takes to pull that off. I mean, what a tremendous effort. Number one, how does like how do you see the role of these um, of these clinics? Like, what what do you see the clinic's role in just the overall health system? Like, what, how does that fit? I think the easiest way to explain that is we know at a minimum uh, we save the federal government two point eight billion dollars in costs because Whoa. we divert people from the emergency room to going to clinics for care. And that's just taking the most basic number of what an ER cost is, mm -hmm. timesing it by our 2 million patients. And we know that those patients, if you ask them, where would you go for healthcare? Every mm -hmm. single one would say, I'm going to go to the ER. Emergency rooms, the joke among our offices, I always say emergency rooms are for emergencies. <laughs> we uh, really need to recognize that free and charitable clinics across the country 
are a critical part of America's safety net, that uh, we are saving hospital systems, saving the government money, but we are also helping the economy because mm -hmm. by allowing free and charitable clinics to continue the work that they're doing, we are making more and more people healthy. And I can point directly to this, Adam, for you is that during COVID, mm -hmm. how many of us utilized people to drive our groceries to our home or to bring us our food? Those are our patients. And wow. if we weren't here, those people wouldn't be able to help you get through what COVID was to all of us. Wow. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing story. How do you, I just, I have to ask this, like, how do you go from, I mean, how do you grow an organization like this? Obviously a lot of special people that Absolutely. are involved, but like, how does that happen? Sure. So when I first started uh, here with the National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics there in 2007, mm -hmm. there was a law that was going through um, that was going to say that free and charitable clinics couldn't use sample drugs to give out to their patients, their doctors, mm -hmm. you know, you'd always get that sample. And uh, some very dedicated free and charitable clinic uh, leaders came to Congress. And I don't think they understood that uh, an open forum at Congress didn't mean they got to talk. They'd have to be called on. So they just went in and started talking and I felt that there and they won. I mean, they, yeah, they, they amazing. won. And so it started with just me. I was their first full-time executive director, um, $75,000 in the bank and 75 uh, clinics. And really it took a lot of hard work of recognizing streamlining building, just like anyone does as a startup. Yeah. Um, and then eventually we did some pretty big work with some uh, stars on TV and I was able to hire my first staff member. And now fast forward, we're a staff of only four and a half at the national organization. We're all women and we have 1400 clinics and our mm. budget went from $75,000. And last year it was $8 million because of people's generosity out of that $8 million, 85% of it goes directly back to the programs in the communities. It doesn't stay with us. We are mm. a, you know, we're a charity that has a, a four-star rating mm. from GuideStar and we are a platinum transparency rating organization. So how do you do that? You, mm. We don't sleep a lot. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. I talk a lot. So good thing I'm good at that. But I think it's listening more that matters. Is that yeah. taking the time to understand what our clinics need in, in the field so they can serve their patients. But at the same time, taking the time when the, the patients call us on the phone to understand what the needs are and how we help. So we can then educate and activate volunteers who want to give time back to us. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and the story is, is quite amazing. How do people, how do people, uh, you know, so I'm watching this, I'm sitting at home, I'm not asking the questions and I'm thinking, huh, this is a, this is a pretty remarkable story. Like, how do I bring this to my community? Like, how do people do that? Like, how does people get involved with this and, and they get clinics in their communities? Oh, this is great. Thank you so much. There are two ways you can get involved. If you would like to just volunteer at a local clinic in your community, you can visit nafcclinics.org. There's a volunteer button, fill out a form, and we will connect you to a local clinic in your community, either virtually or in person. They may have opportunities for you. But if you'd like to build a clinic in your community and learn how to do that, we have a volunteers in medicine program, and we will walk you through how to start an actual clinic in your community as well. Information on that is also found at nafcclinics.org. Our volunteers in medicine program is really a way for people who want to give back to their communities, but don't know how to start. 
And we help you figure out how to do that, how to build a clinic, how to find the partners that you need to on the ground. Yeah. Wow. That's an, it's an amazing model. And the, yeah. to be able to manage that many clinics and to manage that, like a, it's a Herculean task, right? <laughs> like that's a, that's a big, <laughs> it's a big task. And what areas like getting a little bit more technical, sure. um, what areas do you typically target with the clinics in general? Is it by vol- strictly by volunteer demand or are you targeting maybe different, um, different areas? Like how does that part of it work? Sure. I think that first off, when we're looking to build a clinic in a, in a community, and again, these are all community based. So the communities yeah. come and figure this out themselves. So most of the time there is a, a needs assessment that is done in the community. Mm-hmm. Are there, how, how many hospitals are there? How many other free clinics are there federally qualified health centers? Why does there, is there a mm-hmm. need here? And once that's established, then we look at everything from how many non-medical volunteers are going to be needed. And then we need those doctors and nurses and everyone else to give their time. Now, that's when you're building a clinic from the ground up. If you are a person and you'd like to give back to your community, Mm -hmm. we connect you directly with that clinic and they can tell you whether they need you to be a greeter or if they need a doctor, if they need a nurse, because we have job descriptions and opportunities and say you only have one day out of a month you'd like to give. You know, you can't give all of your time. Many of our clinics have days where they will have the communities come in and help them paint or um, during COVID, many clinics turn their parking lots into hot spots. So kids could come and do their homework there and we needed someone to work that out. The beautiful part about free and charitable clinics is that we are the community's response to the healthcare needs in that Mm -hmm. particular area. So you're really going to find that Clinics need people to help hand out food if people Mm. need access to food, if people need a haircut. I can't tell you how many clinics are helping people get a haircut or dress for success. I think that's the a beautiful part of being a part of a larger group of people Mm -hmm. who collectively don't want to wait for someone else Mm. to make a change. They want to make a change. I think you answered this question, but I do want to ask you just to make sure I I understood it right and to highlight it. Um, so uh, obviously these are clinics, but there are non-medical volunteer opportunities available. Absolutely. So just as much as we need doctors and nurses and lab techs, we need individuals to greet someone, to help them fill out any paperwork. We need people to help us. If you're a clinic and they need somebody to play with the children, to watch yeah. the children if they can, we have people that have to answer the phones, uh, make photocopies for us. Uh, then again, there's people who paint. And if you're an artist, for an example, and you don't really want to do anything, but you have all of this artwork you'd like to share, we'd love to hang it up in our clinics. <laughs> we are very creative and flexible with um, the needs that we have in all of our communities, you don't have to be a doctor or a nurse to volunteer with us. We definitely need doctors and nurses, but we would like to welcome everyone to come and volunteer with us as well. Oh, what a great story. Uh, Well, Nicole, I just have to say, this has been great having you on the show to learn more about the National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics and your background, how you got into the industry um, as well, and how you've been, you know, blessed and are continuing to be a blessing to others. Um, That being said, I mean, what's next? What's next for you? What's next for the uh, NAFC? I think the next big thing for the national organization is to continue our work in the front of health equity. Mm -hmm. It is important for I would say all organizations to truly take a hard look at who you are, what you're built on and what you stand for and to make the necessary changes that you do. For example, we know that pulse oximeters, those things that tell you how great you're breathing, 
do not work as well on black patients as it does on white patients. Mm-hmm. We are going to commit to making sure we help our clinics have those pulse oxes that can make those channels, making sure we're keeping that eye on equity and health literacy mm-hmm. and building in communities that need us across the country. Fantastic. And if people are watching this and they want to learn more and to get involved, um, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to get involved, whether you'd like to volunteer or donate, is to visit www.nafcclinics.org. Fantastic. And we'll put all that information in the uh, show notes so that our audience can just click on the link and head right on over and see what you're up to. And uh, speaking of the audience, if this is your first time with Mission Matters or engaging with our platform, we're all about bringing on entrepreneurs, executives, and experts and having them share you know, why they do what they do, what their mission is, their heart behind it, and how they're making a difference in the marketplace and the world. If that is the type of content that sounds interesting or fun or engaging to you, we welcome you. Hit that subscribe button. We have many more mission-based individuals just like Nicole coming up on the line, and we don't want you to miss a thing. And Nicole, it has been so fun working with you, getting to know more about yourself, your background, and of course, National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics. So thrilled at the work you're doing and wishing you um, continued success. Thank you so much.